Well, my grandma is 98 years old, uh, and she, she loves precious moments. Um, she's living in a nursing home right now, and there's not enough room for her curio cabinets, uh, so she had to offload a vast amount of her collection of precious moments trinkets. Um, but I have in my house a nativity scene similar to this, because my grandma loves precious moments. She's made multiple treks down to the, the home, I forget where it is, in Missouri maybe, uh, of precious moments and experienced the chapel there and they have kind of life-size uh, precious moments there. It's, it's, I've only seen pictures, but my grandma loves it and she'll tell the stories. But in this scene, uh, we get just a glimpse of some of the people that are recorded for us of having experienced that first Christmas. We get Mary and Joseph, these, this engaged couple who God knew well enough to choose them out of everyone else to entrust them with the birth of his child. We have angels who are even uh, in this scene bowing down before the baby, um, who have declared the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, and the shepherds have come to see what God wanted to let them know about. We also see uh, a little glimpse of the wise men who traveled far, chasing after this star uh, to see what they would find at the end of it. Christmas is miraculous and wonderful. We try to represent it in all kinds of ways. We've added lights to the sanctuary. It's, it's just this rich and wonderful time. And this morning we're going to take a look at this passage from Luke chapter 2 that happens a little bit after the hullabaloo of the first uh, of the birth. Um, we're going to meet a man named Simeon. Now, some of you are like, you just told us this last night at 9, but we're going we're gonna to focus a little bit differently on what he says. Uh, but we're going to meet a man named Simeon. So about a month after the experience with the shepherds and everybody uh, gathered around that little stable, Luke introduces us to a man named Simeon. We know nothing about his genealogy, uh, which serves as the resume for people in ancient literature. All we know are these little paragraphs that Luke has included in his gospel for us as he researched to see what, what happened and interviewed all these eyewitnesses. He's able to tell us about this experience. As Mary and Joseph, uh, 30 days after the birth, need to bring Jesus to the temple, to make an offering to him, to redeem him as their firstborn son back to the Lord. To dedicate their firstborn son. And so they make their way to the temple, and as they enter the crowd of the temple, there's a man named Simeon there uh, that, like I said, we know very little about except that he lived in Jerusalem. Luke describes that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Which, as I mentioned last night, 
uh, is unique. Because before Pentecost, before the day that God unleashed the Holy Spirit on all of his people, the Holy Spirit came upon people for certain amounts of time to help them with a specific role or to accomplish a, a specific task. But Simeon's relationship with God was unique in such a way that Luke is able to describe him as being a man who the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was devout in his faith. Uh, we don't know how old he was, but we often picture him as old because he had been promised that he wouldn't die until he saw the Savior. And when, when he sees Jesus, he erupts and says, Sovereign Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Like, I'm okay. You can take me right now. I've seen it. I know it's coming. It's real. And that's enough for me. And so we don't know uh, what was going on in Simeon's life that he was so desperate to see the fulfillment of God's promises to his people. That God knew he was that desperate that he even communicated with him in such a way to affirm for him that he wouldn't die until he got to see the Messiah. But on this given day, 30 days after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you know, in, in the confusion of early parenthood, make their way into the crowded temple, and they're greeted by this guy who's super excited to see them that they've never met before. And he rejoices and says amazing things. And some challenging things as well, but we're going to focus on the amazing things today. Uh, so here's a picture of Simeon with Jesus. Uh, Simeon comes up to this couple, sees the baby, takes the baby in his arms, and Luke records for us in chapter 2, starting at verse 30, that Simeon says, well, actually, I guess... This is our text, but I'll tell you the whole thing, he said. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today on this Christmas day. And we rejoice at the knowledge of the birth of your Son into our world. Lord Jesus, we know that you have always existed. You are God. And you have always been with the Father. But you gave yourself a start date and entered our world. You put on flesh and moved in next to us so that we might know you, experience you, be affirmed in who you are and hear from you what you want us to know. And so, Father God, we rejoice that Jesus brings hope for everyone. As we reflect on this, this song and declaration by Simeon, we pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our lives.
to the wonder that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Simeon explains, he declares, sings even, I think. We at least make a song out of it. It's included in liturgies uh, in lots of different churches. And he says some amazing things as he experiences Jesus as this month-old baby. He says, as I look at this child, I see in my arms salvation. Your salvation, Lord. That you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A revelation to the Gentiles and your glory for your people Israel. And what this song tells us is that Jesus is hope for everyone. God knows that we are in trouble. We're separated from Him. Our sin, our rebellion, our own anxieties sometimes, just our desire to just be in control when we shouldn't be. It's not how we were made. We were made to just trust God. And so we were in trouble. We were in desperate need. The path of our lives and the path of humanity in general was going far from God and leading us all to destruction. And our only hope is that God would send a Savior who could make things right. And as Simeon held this baby in his arms, he knew that everything that God had promised that he would do was true. It was real. It was physical and tangible for him. He was holding in his arms the rescuer. And Simeon declared that God had prepared to do this and was now accomplishing it in, in the sight and in the view of all nations, all people everywhere. This was news for the whole world to find out. For Jews, there were two kinds of people. Jews and everybody else. Okay? But it's interesting to me that Simeon's song declares the wonder, the hope that Jesus is first for the people who are not Jews. That Jesus, as he comes and enters the world, that he would be the revelation of God's promises and love for all those who have not yet heard that God intended to send a Savior. But also, right alongside it, a revelation to the Gentiles, but also the glory, the fulfillment, the wonder of all that God had promised for his own people as well. For all those who knew the truth, knew what God had said, knew what they needed, and had been waiting for God to fulfill his promises to them, Jesus was all that they had expected and more all that they had hoped for, and enough. Jesus' is hope for everyone. We get a glimpse of it even in the nativity scene. As we take a look at the people that we just kind of walked through already, what we see in them in terms of God's desire to bring this hope to all people. We see Joseph, a tradesman with noble character, 
Mary, a young girl engaged to be married, her whole life in front of her, in the heart of a servant. Shepherds, people dedicated to their jobs, misunderstood and sometimes mistrusted because so much of their lives were lived on the edge of society. As I was thinking about this message, I, I feel like it's people who work the night shift. You know, they just live on a different schedule, and it's really hard to live on this schedule that's totally separate from the way everybody else lives and operates. Some people can do it for, I've, one of my brothers-in-law, he, he's done it his whole career. He's just, he can make it. But it wears people out. Sometimes their skin is even a different color because they just never get to see the day. You know? The not at the birth, but soon after, we also get these wise men who traveled from other countries. Scholars, philosophers, travelers, explorers. Jesus is hope for everyone. We see it as well in Jesus' ministry, uh, but before we get that, we see it in this scene in Luke chapter 2. So after the excitement of the birth and the shepherds coming and being called by the angels to leave their flocks and come into town and see what God is doing, then God wants us to know about Simeon and Anna. Simeon we heard about, and Anna, if you keep reading after... Simeon's prayer and his conversation with Mary and Joseph, we learn that there's this woman named Anna. She was uh, married for seven or eight years. It says exactly in Luke, but I just can't remember right now. Um, but her husband passed away, and she's been a widow who's just dedicated herself to life in the temple since then, and she's 84 when she meets Jesus. And I think it's remarkable that embedded in the birth story of Jesus are these glimpses of people that we know absolutely nothing else about except that God knew them. He knew what they needed. He knew their life story. And he called them to meet Jesus. Their story is like ours. We might not be famous. We might not be known by a lot of people. Our books might not be written about us. But God knows us. He knows what we need. He moves in our lives and he draws us to Jesus. Because Jesus is hope for everyone. We see it in Jesus' ministry. As Jesus interacts with people throughout his ministry, sometimes we get to know their names. We meet people like Jairus. But oftentimes, we meet people that we know only by their label. The label that they've been given by society or the label of their condition. Jesus met blind people and deaf people. He met lepers. People who are demon-possessed. With 
deep spiritual struggles. He interacted with a sinful woman. We know nothing about her except that she worshipped Jesus at his feet. But all society knew of her was that she was a sinner. Jesus met a rich young ruler. He interacted with Pharisees, tax collectors, and political zealots. We see in the path of Jesus' ministry that he reaches far outside the people that the king of the universe could have spent his time with so that we would know that he came for us. Jesus is hope for everyone. And even the people in our lives that we only have labels for, we don't know them, but we just put them in this category. Jesus is hope for them as well. We see evidence of it even in the Apostles' Creed. We were studying this with middle school students a few weeks ago, uh, looking at the humiliation of Christ. So that these five steps in the second article of the Creed that talk about Jesus, that describe his steps from glory into humility. He was born of the Virgin Mary. The, the God of the universe allowed himself not just to come and appear as a human being, but to enter a womb and be an embryo and be born. And born not into privilege, but born into poverty, so that even in his birth, we might know that whatever our circumstances, however challenging they are, Jesus has experienced them too because he is hope for everyone. He was born in the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Though he was innocent, the one person who has never sinned, he was accused of lots of things. He was falsely accused and yet, and he was beaten tormented, mocked, spit on. And he went through all of that for deep and spiritual purposes to be our rescuer in total. But in that experience, we also see that he's hope for everyone. Whatever trauma we face, Jesus has been through it too. He's been falsely accused. He's been bullied. He's, he's been attacked and mocked and made fun of. He was crucified. Killed as a criminal. In public execution. He died so that even in his death, as a human being, the God of the universe has experienced death so that as we come to that point in our lives, we know that Jesus has been there for us too. We don't go anywhere that he hasn't been already. He was buried. 
in his humanity, he identifies with each of us. Because he's hope for everyone. So that in his victory, we know he can share his victory with each of us as well. Because he went down into the abode of the dead to release the captives who have been waiting for him. He rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And from there he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Because he's the master over all things and the hope for everyone. I've been listening to um, a couple albums from uh, an artist named Chris Renzema. Uh, and I was, happened to be listening to this song on my way in this morning. It's called Signal Fire. And the chorus says, I saw a signal fire, and I'm running, I'm running into the light. I saw a signal fire, it's, it's burning like a star in the dead of night. Um, and so the idea here in the song is that Jesus is the signal fire. He lights the way and says, there's hope, come here, it's safe over here. And so in the song, Chris kind of talks about the, just the challenges of life, but Jesus is the signal fire that always shows up and always demonstrates that he's here. There's, there's hope for everyone, and there's a path toward him. The song co- continues. In the chorus, it says, Everything I ever wanted, everything about you pulls me in. I saw a signal fire, and I'm running, I'm running into the light. But then there's this bridge that just repeats over and over. We all belong here, and you can come just as you are. We all belong here, and you can come just as you are. We all belong here, and you can come just as you are because Jesus is hope for everyone. Everything Simeon recognized in baby Jesus and said that day is true. Sovereign Lord, you may dismiss your servant in peace because this is all I need. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a revelation of your love to the Gentiles, and the glory, the fulfillment of all we've waited for for your people who you've called by your name. That's who Jesus is. It's what he is. It's what he came for. We all belong here. Right here with Jesus. God himself in flesh who moved in next to us. Now we don't belong here on our own. We are sinful. We are separated from God. The holiness and righteousness of God would destroy anyone who came face to face with Him. But by His grace, Jesus put on flesh and came next to us so that even in His presence, we could be redeemed. We could be made whole. 
He came to give us His righteousness. Because we can't muster any of it on our own. None of us can survive in the presence of God on our own. And apart from the work of God's grace, we would rather be destroyed in our autonomy, in our independence, in our self-sufficiency than submit to His loving guidance and protection. But Jesus is hope for everyone. And He came bringing hope for everyone by faith in Jesus. This one we remember as a baby and as our Savior today. We all belong in the presence and in the family of God by faith in Him. Because of Jesus, we can come just as we are and find forgiveness, find redemption, find restoration, find all we need and all that God promised from the God who made us, loves us, and saves us. Let's pray. O great God of highest heaven, we come before you. What a miraculous and wonderful truth. That as alone and weary as we might feel, there's hope for us. Not wishful thinking, but secure and true hope because you have come. And you're all we need. You're coming back. And you'll make all things right. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you today. We give you the gifts of our lives, the gifts of our emotions, our, our frankincense, gold, myrrh. All that we have. All that we are. All that you've given us. Because you alone are worthy. You're our only hope. That you are enough and you have come. And so this Christmas we pray that you would renew us again. That you would come near and help us know it. That you would reassure us. That you would capture our hearts and grow our faith. That you would, your mercy and grace would lead us to repentance. We would put down our own will and receive you as our King. In Jesus' name, amen.